Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Okay, and we are back on Conspirator Normal. Yeah, what's going on, Adam? How's it going, Luke? Pretty good, dude. Pretty good. So what you've been doing the uh, since we last spoke on Conspirator Normal, man? Oh, uh, well, I went back to West Tennessee again. I had a good time out there. I got sunburnt. I watched a million-dollar house burn to the ground. I got to swim across the Tennessee River. No life jacket. I'm pretty proud of that. You, li- you live dangerously, man. <laughs> Yeah, it's. I try to. I wouldn't say too dangerous, but a little bit. Did you dance around in a man thong again? I could. I can't find my man thong. Oh, I can't really? find. I have to order a new one, dude. Oh man. Yeah. What was the name of your man thong? Mr. Tuxedo. Mr. Tuxedo. Yeah. Are you gonna have to get like Mr. Tuxedo Junior or something? <laughs> no, I. I want to go with a new design this time. What, what's What's gonna be the new design for your your man thong? Good question. Oh man, just it could be like a tiger, like a tiger print or leopard, leopard, leopard. print. Yeah. yeah, I like man. tigers. I like tigers more than leopards. All right, yeah. all right. You'll have to put that on the uh, conspiratorial website and drive everybody away. <laughs> drive, drive your fifteen <laughs> listeners off. Yeah, really. <laughs> okay, well tonight um, we're gonna have a guest here in about uh, thirty forty minutes uh, named Andrew Hoffman. He wrote a book called. Um, the New World Order and the Eugenics Wars, and uh, we'll talk about to him a little bit about that, and also uh, going to talk about a little uh, just about current events and such. But uh, since we don't have him on for a little bit, uh, I want to take like another like 30 minutes or so for uh, Luke to go talk about something that he is really passionate about, and that is the evils of the uh, fast food industry. Yes. So, so hit us up, Luke. Well. Um We'll say just a few years back, you know, my metabolism started changing, my digestive system started changing. Um, everybody knows that growing up and when you're younger, you can uh, eat a lot more and it's, it won't bother you. You know, you're pretty much born with an iron stomach, where most people are. And uh, so all of a sudden, 22, 23 years old, I started having problems with the food that I'm eating and I have to be a, a lot a lot pickier, you know, and a lot choosier about the things that I eat. And it really sucks. <laughs> I would love to just be able to go out and eat anything, you know. Um, and I've noticed that among all of my friends and the people that I talk to, that there's a large percentage of people with sensitive stomachs like myself. So I'd say like half and half, you know. Sure. Um, but come to find out, 
Well, well, I'm, I don't, I don't really think that it's all malicious. I think it's kind of half and half. I think that it's uh, evil corporations are kind of tackling two birds with one stone by making the foods cheaper to produce and at the same time unhealthy. And I do think that they are undermining public health on purpose. And the reason is because all of these uh, chemicals in food have been tested, you know, since since they started testing foods in the 50s, 60s. Well, let me say let me say this um, to kind of challenge you a little bit on that because yeah. it, it does seem to me that you know it, it comes down to food being being really cheap, right? That that's what they wanted. They they want to take it down to like the the cheapest, lowest common denominator they can, right? To get more people in the door, right? And and just, and, and and food with with a lot of the food problems that we have in the world, especially now when we've had this drought, mm-hmm. that these these companies are finding ways to just make things just more cheap and more uh, mass produced. Right, and, and that's why I'm saying that's half of it. Um, that's definitely half of it because, you know, that's what that's a corporation's objective is to make as much as they can for as cheap as they can. But you've got this this huge, just wide array of of possible of possible food ingredients that you can use in the place of something that can possibly be cheaper. But it seems that a lot of the time, the the worst for you are the ingredients that are picked. And that to me is just really suspicious because you've got, you know, this whole list of other things that could go in the place of it, and, and then they always choose the, the most malicious one, you know. Right, the one that's worse for right. someone. Right. So you've got a little list here that I uh, saw you compiling earlier um, that you were looking at on the computer. Yeah, I kind of some stuff that you wanted to, some points you wanted to hit about it. Yeah, I kind of put this together in a rush because uh, you know I've been kind of studying this thing on and off for for several years now. But uh, first on my list is food colorings: uh, yellow five, blue lake forty, whatever, sure. r- red red something, red forty something like that, red lake. Um, Everybody's seen these at the end of the ingredients labels. Um, I've seen several different stories across the internet talking about how they cause ADHD and, and problems with hyperactivity in children, not so much uh, adults. Also, I don't know if this is true or not, but I, I saw uh, stories linked with it causing tooth decay and uh, problems with your teeth. Um, these colorings are made out of chemicals. I don't, I'm not really sure about the composition and the makeup of them, but I've just come across several stories talking about how bad food colorings. And, uh, more specifically, Yellow 5, uh, banned in most parts of Europe, and it's been known to cause or linked to anxiety, migraines, itching, uh, sleep disturbances, uh, things like that. And the rumor about it lowering the sperm count is is just a rumor. That's, that's not true. I've actually... Okay. Yeah, I did some research to see if that's actually true, and it and it it looks like to me that it's not. Because I remember when I was a teenager, I remember the big rumor was that uh, it made your um, made you shrink down there. Yeah, that's right. that's, that's, that's the big <laughs> right. one I remember. I, I heard the lower the sperm count first, and then yeah, I, heard I never had heard that, that makes one. you shrink. Yeah. yeah, but um, but really, just anxiety, migraines, itching, sleep disturbance is what what I've read is linked to it. Well, I think that's bad enough. Yeah, really. Um, yeah, I have to study more into the the composition of these and and what the the colorings are made up of. But um, 
So I think that we're allowed to talk about like labels since we're a nonprofit show, right? Without actually getting yeah, in trouble. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine with me. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, we uh, I, I touched on the whole Mountain Dew thing. Yeah, yeah. It's just for every, everybody out there who might not remember what, what what happened to you when you drank some Mountain Dew. Um, well, well. First of all, I have to give you some backstory and and say that I'm a little more susceptible to caffeine, I guess, than most people because I just stopped drinking sodas at some point it wasn't like a health choice or anything i just they just weren't appealing to me anymore so i just stopped drinking sodas you know years ago maybe like 2021 or something like that okay but um i had a friend leave mountain dew over my house and it's not really appetizing to me or anything but i brought it with me it was a real hot day you know and i was like well i got this mountain dew i don't have to buy anything else to drink at the store or anything Mm -hmm. So, uh, without much to eat that day, and I was drinking the Mountain Dew, and I was skateboarding out at the park, and it was like 100 degrees, you know, so I was getting really dehydrated, and I drank nearly the whole uh, two liter, you know, just maybe a, a sixth or, or seventh of it left in the bottom, and, um, you know, I, I did eat a couple meals, you know, during the daytime, just, just not a lot of food, and I got back to the house, and uh, I started feeling like really overly anxious uh i started pacing the floor just uh a really bad feeling and not like the normal caffeine rush that i get from like maybe drinking a cup of coffee or something because usually it'll just make me jittery right but i noticed that the mountain dew had a different effect it made me jittery and angry made you angry it made me really angry and there was there was nothing else that day to upset me there was nothing else going on you know, like it was a it was a great day. It was nice sunshine outside. I just got done skateboarding, so uh, that made me really curious to look into its ingredients. And one in particular kind of stood out to me, and it's bromine, uh, brominated vegetable oil on the uh, ingredients, and it's an emulsifier, and it's uh, used as like a bonding agent between the oil that's in it and um, you know the rest of the ingredients it bonds it together because naturally the oil and the water separate so it just pulls them together and it's it's what gives its its murky quality um and it turns out that bromine was used as a sedative in the 70s for mental patients and uh what it does is it inhibits the thyroid from uptaking iodine and your your brain needs iodine okay so uh you get you get a um excess of bromine build up in your brain and it causes like really bad neural issues you know um what was i gonna say really bad what issues uh neural neural okay. yeah like neural transmitting right. issues uh I had, nice. a, I had a list somewhere out here and the bromine is used what is it used for in the mountain day the um it's an emulsifier, which means it, it attaches the oil with the water so they don't separate when they're sitting in the bottle. So why do they have to use something that uh, causes all those issues? Good question. Um, now I saw a whole list. Of, of course, it's probably a really low amount, okay? But if you spend, you know, all of this money on Mountain Dew, you always drink Mountain Dew or, or similar. I don't mean to pick on it too much, but if you drink, yeah. you know, similar products to it that also have brominated vegetable oil, this stuff adds up. You know, it doesn't just pass through your system and it's gone. It adds up. 
because what a lot of people don't think about and they don't realize is that food affects so many other parts of your body than just the tract that it's following through, you know, your GI tract or whatever, and your esophagus and all that. It affects sure. it affects almost every part of your body, brain, everything. And a lot of people don't really think about that. A lot, a lot of people are, are concerned about with just, like, being full. Right. You know, I, I know that's kind of how I am. You know, I just, like, concerned yeah. about just being Everyone full. Everyone likes the feeling of being full. Yeah. Yeah, and, and if, um, you know, a lot of people on diets that are always complaining because they're eating vegetables and everything else, and they're like, well, I can never get full, you know, and I'll stuff myself on veggies, and I'm hungry again, like, 30 minutes later. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I am, yeah. Yeah, and the thing is, you know, Everybody's kind of got their own diet plan because everyone's bodies are slightly different. But the way I feel is you, you still have to get all your food pyramid in there. You still have to get the grains and um, spaghetti and, you know, all that kind of stuff, too. You, even though it's fattening for you, yeah. uh, you still have to have all that. It's all important. You have to have every part of the food pyramid. And that's what most of these dieters do wrong is they try to just focus on one food group that they know is healthy and nutritional. But... They're they're lacking like all of the other building blocks from the other food groups. Just like don't like just eat fruit or just eat right. Yeah, just that's, eat meat, and no bread. And, right. Specialty diets, um, while sometimes they work, they work in an unhealthy way, and then later um, all of that fat's just going to come back once they finally drop the diet and go back to eating normally, no. because your body uh, your body is set up to tell you what it needs. You know, and if you. I know that you've probably been in a grocery store before walking around and you're just like, oh, that's, that sounds really good right now, like more than usual. You know, I don't usually crave that, but I do right now. It's because your body's telling you that you need it. Yeah. You get a deficiency and it's like, hey, you know, go out and buy some of this. But, but anyway, on the bromine, um, it, it was outlawed in the 70s after they found out all the health issues associated with it as a sedative for mental patients. So uh, even though it's a small amount in there, I think that a buildup over time could be dangerous. And uh, I want to get to diet drinks. Uh, people, yeah, that's a big one with aspartame. Yeah. yeah, people think that they're making a healthy alternative with them, and it doesn't really seem like it's helping with the fat because it's it's one of those things like sodas are like this too, and just in just general you can drink a whole one and you still feel dehydrated after, you know, like you haven't even drank anything. No, right. Yeah. Yeah. Especially like when it's hot outside. Sodas make me more thirsty. Right. And, um, diet drinks are worse about this. They actually make you hungrier and thirstier. Like after you drink them containing aspartame and, um, aspartame was purchased by Monsanto, like the company that originally made aspartame in the seventies Yeah, purchased by Monsanto. And it's proven to be carcinogenic. Uh, 90 different health issues have been associated with it, but you have to also think that these, all of these health concerns are all a different people. This is a different concentrated group, all with their own individual health problems and everything else. But um, you know, some of those headaches, migraines, dizziness, seizures, nausea, numbness, muscle spasms, weight gain, weight gain. You know, that's what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Kind of, it's kind of a gateway to other foods wanting to eat or wanting to drink more fattening things. Um, depression, uh, fatigue, uh, it's made up of aspartic acid and, um, 
it said that aspartic acid, if you were to take it in excess, which, you know, of course, it's the low amount in, in the sodas, but if you were to take it in excess, it overexcites or stimulates neural cells to death. So it kind of microwaves the cells in your brain. And um, that's, oh, that's, why, nice. that's why it listed depression as one of the side effects is because um, that affects your serotonin levels in your brain. And it, it, uh, it's called the reuptake process in your brain. You have like reuptake, uh, I think they're called inhibitors, and they, they take in the serotonin, and this is blocking that from happening. So it's causing an Im- chemical imbalance, which leads to depression and other, you know, mental issues. Let me let me interrupt just real quick to say that all three of us here in this room, you, myself, Chris, you know, we have worked or, or work still at a place where you will see people that will order a bunch of fattening food and then top it off with a <laughs> diet drink. Yes. Every single time. Well, you know, I got to, and I would laugh about that, but now I wonder, you know, with this, whether, you know, it's like they're trying to, trying to make up for eating all that junk. Right. But whether maybe something in that, like they don't even know, like physiologically, it might be making them more hungry and they think they're doing themselves a favor by drinking this diet. Right. Because it says diet on the label. Right. Um, Well, of course, it, it doesn't have fat in it. You know, it's got like the really, really low calorie and it's taken all the trans fat out and everything, all the saturated. So there hardly is any fat in diet drinks at all. Sure. But um, like I said, what it's doing is causing the mental the mental issues if you drink them on a regular basis. And it's also causing you to be hungrier and thirstier. I've had them before personally and like drinking one of those is completely different than drinking one of your common sodas because it, it made me thirsty like immediately right after i drank it right it felt like i hadn't even drank anything and uh yeah that is the mindset that a lot of people have they're like well i've got this really high calorie meal that i've just eaten at least i can say and i can feel good about that i've cut out the caloric content and the drink you know and yeah i mean that that's that's a positive of it but it's a you know big price to pay yeah um And, uh, you know, of course, like everybody else, I promote drinking water, you know, bottled water, unless your city has, like, good tap water, which isn't very common, according to a lot of people that come here from out of state. Which goes into the um, fluoride. Uh, Well, before I get to... Yeah, before... I won't touch on that too much. I just have a few things to say. But before I get to that, um, a lot of people, I just... I thought myself, I looked at a, a diet uh, drink bottle one time, and it says contains uh, phenylalanine. And I was like, you know, why would you have to warn people about that? Like, what is that? And I, I looked it up, and uh, phenylalanine makes up 50% of aspartame. And um, the reason they have to warn for that is because there's people with a disease called phenylcalinuria. And um, what those people have wrong with them is is they can't metabolize the phenylalanine in the brain and then it builds up in excess and it, it can cause death it, uh, it, it's kind of like an allergy to it people with uh, phenylcalinuria they can't they can't meta- metabolize it that's why they have to warn on the bottle okay 
But uh, in normal people, it causes an imbalance of serotonin. That's the part of aspartame that I was referring to that Which affects your serotonin. Goes into in depression, yeah. right? But that's okay because you could just take like Prozac and then you yeah, up, you just took your you know take your serotonin down, take it back up. <laughs> I don't see Com- there's a problem with Com- that. Complete the circle of pharmaceuticals. Right, you yeah, know, there just you go. add more pills to the problem. Well, it's no, no big deal. Um, but but yeah, the fluoride, you know, and I've. We've made jokes about fluoride a few times, and I'm obviously, you know, not a fan. Fluoride in the water. <laughs> uh, the best website that I found uh, for people to to become informed on fluoride is www.fluoriderecearch.com, and this website has done like all kinds of field studies, and you can read all about them. Control groups of uh, one that I found interesting on the site is they took a big control group of kids from the U.S and Ireland and parts parts of Ireland do fluoridate their water but the part they chose didn't okay and all of these kids had similar eating habits um similar you know everything they got these kids in a control group that are almost identical and they looked to see if there were any differences in their teeth between the fluoridated kids and the non-fluoridated and there wasn't okay they said they saw little to no difference, and the only difference is is that Europe has healthier food choices than America. Right. So what's the point? <laughs> what's the point of having fluoride in the water then? If that's what they say is that we're supposed to have fluoride in order to keep you, our teeth looking good. You've um, you've got speculations floating out there, and, and I like to uh, subscribe to the one where it's making us subservient, just like in the forties, you know. Uh, yeah. Nazi Germany, how that's the first implementation of it, I think. They would put it into the concentration camp water right. in order to make the them more... more um, Subservient, yeah. yeah. and um, More docile. Right, that is true because it largely affects your brain. It is a poison. You can go to the MSDA website. I think that is that the abbreviation? Can, um, the, the, like, um, the chemical control website, M- MS... I, I guess. I'm okay. not quite sure. Uh, well, you, you can go to the chemical control website, and it'll tell you right there that it is a poison. Oh, FDA? Food and Drug no, Administration? No, it's the MSDA or something okay. like that. Um, but it, it is a poison, and your water companies will argue that, oh, it's such a small amount, and it is good for your teeth. You know, I called the water company myself one time and was asking him some questions, and you know, he kind of raised his voice in defense, I'm sure, because he has had a lot of calls about it. Probably. Um, you got fluoride in that water. You know, the city of Spring Hill in Tennessee, just south of us, they've actually banned it. Right. Out and, of their water supply. And it's that's a very positive thing that's going on right now. People are finding out what's going on, and they're they're making a movement in their local government to get rid of it. And I'm seeing this more and more across the south, you know, and... Usually the, the South is the last one in the U.S. to make a change. The West Coast and up north make changes first, and then it kind of leads to us eventually, which, you know, most of the time. Yeah. Most of the decisions made. A couple points I want to make about fluoride just yeah. before you go on is you've got, um, you know, first of all, the toothpaste. They tell you don't eat the toothpaste or don't let your kids eat the toothpaste right, because right. they can get poisoned. Yeah. Okay? Because, you know, you, you don't really swallow toothpaste you use it brush your teeth and and you spit it out Mm -hmm. the second thing is is that um prozac is um is called is really Uh, fluoxetine fluoxetine. which is a derivative of fluoride right so 
a high concentration of fluoride, which is fluoxetine, uh, fluoxetine. I think it has one other agent in the pill, which I'm not sure of at this moment, but um, the high concentration of fluoride to your brain um, makes you docile, subservient, you know, it, it makes you fit in. It makes you, uh, it, it, it works, it works, but at a cost, you know, because no. you, you, do, you do feel like you're more capable of carrying out, they use it for clinical depression, you know, so um, you think, you feel like you're more capable of carrying out everyday tasks, you know, but, but at a cost, like I'm saying. I'll say this is just from personal experience, you know, I, I'm not ashamed to say it, I got put on um, Prozac, I tried it. And I think I was on it for about two to three weeks. And at first it was like a feeling of just total euphoria, like just a total high of just like, you know, all of a sudden my brain was getting all the serotonin and didn't know what to do with it. And I probably really didn't need it anyway. But um, it, eventually I started not feeling like myself. I didn't feel like I was me anymore. And I'm a very careful person, you know. I try to make sure everything that I have is right. on me at all times. And one time I was at work, I left my wallet at work. Like, I would never do that. Right. You know, and just something little like that was enough for me to say, you know, this, yeah. this might it's, not be It's an indicator idea. that something's going on because, you know, I check my pockets every day, you know, before I go anywhere, before I even right. leave a building, I check my pockets. And just like you drive down the road, I'm like, I'm, I was just oblivious. And then somebody called me and said, hey, you just left your wallet here at work. Yeah. Like, I, like I would have gone home and been like, you know, probably in a complete daze and gone to sleep and not realize my wallet was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Prozac's a, a whole different show. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if yeah, we yeah, if we yeah. do a show on pharmaceuticals, that right. would be a, right. def, that'll definitely be on the list. But um, uh, more about fluoride. You know, it's been proven to be carcinogenic. Uh, we it weakens your bones, makes them frail. Uh, over time, you know, so the, of course, I'm talking about someone who grew up drinking fluoridated water. Uh, it's been linked to miscarriages it's been linked to learning deficiencies and growing children oh that's nice yeah they they're more susceptible you know we kind of have more tolerance to it you know we've been we have more tolerance to everything over time um but the the biggest thing that i've been on lately is the calcified pineal gland and uh as people probably know you know the pineal gland is responsible for your dreams and the regulation of melatonin serotonin in your brain yeah and uh what actually happens is you can actually get an x-ray of, of your brain if you have been subjected to drinking fluoridated water over time you can actually see that your pineal gland is in the middle of your brain and see that it's calcified um and that kind of leads me into a different topic as well uh, the THC in marijuana reversing the calcification of the pineal gland. Uh, some tests have shown, uh, not many, I've only found like two articles on this on the internet, but uh, the THC has shown effects of reversing the calcification. <clears throat> and that's one, uh, one reason that I could think of that they're trying so hard to, to stop it. We call them DCA? We call the drug FDA? No. The, the drug task force the oh DEA DEA yeah. yeah the DEA breaking into the dispensaries in California and taking all their product and everything else they're trying really hard to stop weed 
and uh, there's really no legitimate reason. You know, it's it's proven to be healthier for you than alcohol. It's true. Um, well, you know, the the adverse argument is that the smoke inhalation can cause your lungs damage over time, but the smoke from marijuana is like... <coughs> Not as much as tobacco. Right. It's like five times all better the other than tobacco. Stuff, all the other stuff they put in nicotine, all the other stuff that's put into nicotine, all the tar and right, all that stuff. Right, right. Uh, well, the chemicals that make you want to smoke. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's, gets you addicted. It's it's just laced. The tobacco is just laced with chemicals. Just loads of stuff in there, all kinds of, and and mainly in the filter too. Not even so much on the tobacco, but in the filter because you catch it when it's coming through. But um, yeah, that's really all I have to say about fluoride, though. Um, so okay, I'm gonna talk about soybean oil and uh, modified cornstarch makes up so much of our food in America. I mean, literally every can you get from the grocery store, get a can of chili, get just just anything. Just, it's made up of soybean oil and modified cornstarch. Uh, the cornstarch is a filler, so it makes you feel full. And, and the hydro, hydrogenated soybean oil is uh, what the hydrogenation process does is solidify it, so it's a solid, you know. Um, is this something that's mostly in fast food? Yes, okay. yes. It it's not only fast food, but you know, in, in a grocery store, it's, it's everything. It, I'm I'm gonna make a wild claim and say like sixty five, seventy percent of all food in America is made up of these two, as, as the main ingredient. And um, you know, soy soybean oil is not bad for you. It even has health benefits. Soybeans do. Def, soybeans definitely do. You know. Um, but once once it's solidified, uh, it takes away all the nutrition, and it's uh, rumored to cause heart disease. And um, I, I want to get on. Th- this leads me to like margarine too. And there's this rumor going around that uh, margarine is is one molecule away from being a plastic. Have you ever heard that? I think you uh, you mentioned it to me before. Yeah, people were posting this on on Facebook and stuff and demonizing margarine. You know. But uh, <laughs> one molecule away from being a plastic. Yeah, I mean that that was a big thing, you know, going around for a while, and uh, it, it's not good for you, and it's not real butter, you know. But it's the same crap that we're eating and everything else. It's just so yeah. it's soybean oil with flavor. That's all it is. Nice. Um, Let's see here. But the the modified cornstarch is is just a filler. Um, It's treated with enzymes and other chemicals to be a thickening agent. So it it just it adds um, it adds more mass to the meals, you know, as well as being a filler. And it's it's mainly what's in pet food too. You know, it's made up of uh, cornstarch. And these these two are really cheap, you know. That's why they are using them, and there is no nutrition there. But think of, I'd like to think of it as like tofu. If you didn't have any of the chemical flavorings in it, the artificial chemical, uh, artificial natural flavorings, it would just taste like tofu. Tofu is pretty tasteless, you know. Right. Um, so that kind of leads me to the flavorings. Uh, there's a place called Gavadin. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but it's a a flavorous laboratory in New Jersey 
along with the International uh, Flavor and Fragrances Laboratory. And what they're what they do there is they have a bunch of scientists, you know, biochemists, and so forth that um, work around the clock to make new flavors to flavor what I was just the soybean oil and the cornstarch to become burgers or chicken or you know whatever whatever the, uh, I'm trying to let me phrase this the right way. They're they're make okay. Let's start. This. Make it taste like <laughs> right. It, it's it's, it's imitation with, flavors. Right. Yeah. So they're taking a, a taste you know tasteless soy and they're making these. They have these chemical vials, thousands of them, all over their labs. And what they do all day is combine these chemicals together, and it's a, a trial and error process to come up with like the perfect flavoring. And they'll have people test them, you know, like try this. And just one droplet of this stuff will make you taste a, you know, full on taste of a cheeseburger in your mouth or hickory smoke flavor or, um, or, you know, strawberries. And it, it literally covers the entire food spectrum. And they can flavor these soybean, uh, this tasteless soybean oil to be whatever they want. You know, so. It, a good example is all of your different potato chips and and yeah. stores. You know, you got ketchup flavor, to barbecue flavor, and everything else. They're not actually supreme pizza flavor. Yeah, supreme tacos, just yeah. everything under the rainbow. There's a flavor of chip of it, and <clears throat> that's not actually you know barbecue sauce and all that. They're making they're making flavors for it from chemicals, and it's not all artificial chemicals. It's natural too, but there's there's a long list that the FDA does not require you to put on an ingredients label because it's covered um, it's it, you don't want to give away your all of your ingredients because another company is going to steal the steal the way that you made it you know and just copy you yeah so the FDA doesn't require them to label everything underneath the natural and artificial flavors label I'm sure there's some lobbying that's going on there <laughs> yeah but uh, <clears throat> so that, how bad is that stuff? It's it's really not too bad. I haven't really found found a lot of negative stuff about it, but it's just making the point that they can flavor this this tasteless, non nutritious food product. Garbage. Yeah, yeah, just basically garbage. Just does nothing for you. Just passes through you, and they can flavor it to be whatever they want to. <clears throat> All of your fast food chains are doing exactly this. They say that they contain, uh, you know, real grade A steak and real chicken, and they do. Yum, but yum. it's a it's a very small percentage. It's like the chicken nuggets are made out like a, like a, like like those things are like a plastic man. Yeah, those things are yeah. like mo- uh, half a molecule. Like, plastic. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't be surprised there. My my dad said one time that he thought he was eating cardboard. <laughs> eat cardboard, son. <laughs> He actually asked. He asked the guy behind the counter if it was cardboard, and he just smiled at him. Y'all grinding up cardboard in the back, throwing it in the burgers. <laughs> not not too far off the truth, though. If you take cardboard and you put some of these uh, flavorings into it, then well, I've always thought uh, that uh, you know certain pizza crusts tasted like cardboard. Uh, cellulose. Yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't. I couldn't really find a lot of health risks associated with cellulose, but uh, it is tree bark. 
Cellulose mm-hmm. equals tree bark. You were telling me that some of the cheeses that were used in some of the fast food pizza places, yeah, that that's like, uh, but that stuff is like um, plastic too. Yeah, it's it is. It's just non nutritious garbage, and and the cheese is uh, imitation cheese, and it's uh, it's still made through the same process. Apparently, it's still uh, cultured milk, or uh, what do you call that? That that solidifies on the top of milk. The curd, mm, curd, yeah. the curd, yeah. It's the imitation cheese is still the same thing, but it's made somehow off a different type of liquid that's not milk, and it's cheaper, cheaper to make. And then it's flavored with the flavors that I'm talking about that they develop in New Jersey. Uh, yeah, a little bit more on that though. The scientists responsible for making these uh, liquid flavorings are called flavorists, you know, and, and they they go to school for this and. It, it's pretty neat that you can come up with all these thousands of flavors and yeah it is interesting yeah is there any other points that you wanted to hit um not really uh not right now so let me ask you before we go on um let me ask you why do you think that this is going on um like I said before half and half I think that it's cheaper for them to produce and remember that time we were talking about like one of the representatives called us all feeders or something like that uh-huh. who, who, who was that Did some, someone made the, the comment feeders like in in the UN or something like that oh uh, yeah I think I remember hearing something like that yeah. I, I, don't, I can't remember who exactly you're talking about but yeah uh, well you know traditional farming useless eaters yeah useless eaters we're all feeders (laughs) um traditional farming methods are just being stamped out you know and i've even heard rumors that monsanto was sending agents out or not just them but you know a collaboration of companies monsanto is a major one yeah definitely that's the one everyone points the finger at you know dupont monsanto right but uh I, i heard a rumor that they'd been sending out agents with uh genetically manipulated seed and this seed is designed to take over other plants and they've been sending out agents all over farming communities in America throwing their seed into the crop and letting the seed take over their crop so that all of it becomes genetically altered because it takes over and then they can actually bring that farmer to court and then take over his crops because he didn't have he didn't have the uh permission to grow that seed so to to finish it up um i do think it's malicious in a way because they're purposely using things that have been proven in experiments to to change um change aspects of your brain um basically geared toward making everybody dumb and subservient well i think too the people are addicted to this stuff too yeah, it, it you know, is. Even, it's made in, to even be in my own life, you know, it's just like I found myself craving that kind of food more than like stuff that's actually right. good for me. Yeah, and and most of the time, but not all the time, it's the chemicals that cause that craving in your brain. And when you combine it with alcohol, it's a, it's really, it seems to be really, really fun. Yeah, because uh, like I don't know if you, you've seen the, the the footage of the lady that attacks the people. Because uh, she can't get chicken nuggets at five o'clock in the morning. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, 
that's like crack, you know? Right. Um, but chicken's crack. It's obviously something's going on with it, you know? Everybody's got their comfort foods, too, you know? And that'd be an adverse argument. You know, that's my comfort food. I eat that every day. It makes me feel a little, yeah. bit, a little bit better in life, you know? Sure. But, um... We know someone that just, like, will just swear by the, um... Uh, Mickey D's, you know, yeah, just, just loves it. But he also has an iron stomach. Has has been a guest on this show. <laughs> Won't tell you who it is. No. Still, still classified. Still classified. Yeah. Um, but it, oh, that, that that actually does. Since we got a little bit of time, uh, what about energy drinks? Energy drinks. Um, I know someone in here that loves them. You, you've got a really high amount of <laughs> caffeine. Uh, I I can't even cite. I know it's in the thousands of milligrams. I don't know exactly. I don't remember, but. Uh, Really, really, it's just in a, a concentrated abundance of caffeine, and all of the other things that they claim are in there—the vitamins and everything—don't get absorbed, because that's another misconception. Is people think that they're doing really well when they're taking vitamins, but you have to have all of these other uh, agents that go along with the vitamins that uh, that help your body absorb them. It's like, um, you know, it, it's like. It's like trying to, you know, the little star, the star piece thing, like trying to put the star inside the square or something yeah. that you play with when you're a kid. If your body doesn't understand it, then you're not going to absorb it. Um, and, and like, I, I look around at people and see that they're all, like, obese in America. We definitely have a problem with obesity. Oh, yes. And a lot of foreign countries, you know, namely Europeans, don't. And well, I didn't even talk about high fructose, did I? Well, I mean, I'm sure that they have fat people. Yeah, but yeah. They, high they fructose do. corn syrup is a right is part of that problem. For yeah, sure. um, and you'll they keep promoting it um, on TV and stuff, trying to trying to make it friendly. You know, high fructose is the same as sugar. Yeah, there's nothing different about it. Not true. Uh, it's it's corn sugar, and it's got a alkalized process. I'm not sure the exact process, but. Uh, it, it's unnatural and your body doesn't know how to digest it so it just it's like a sludge that gets stuck in your digestive system and you don't really know your body can't really comprehend how to digest it so it slows you down and it turns directly into fat as a byproduct but I think I'm just gonna like stop eating <laughs> well th the thing is is it's it's quite simple to stay away from all of these bad things if you've got a farmer's market nearby or something like yeah. that you know it's just the like you said, it's the uh, addiction to the chemicals and stuff. You know, it's hard to stop it. You see these things in the store, and instantly you start craving them. You know, as soon as you see it, you pick it up and you throw it in your buggy, especially if you're hungry. Right. So, you know, just high fructose is used to sweeten everything now because it's cheaper than cane sugar. And, uh, yeah, it does, it does cause obesity. It's directly linked with it. And all of these studies that show that are going to be hushed up and swept under the table. But that is one problem, you know, with America's obesity. I, some some kid looked at me the other day from uh, Guatemala, and he's like, oh, you're getting fat, man, you're getting fat. He's like, you, uh, you're overeating, aren't you? And I was like, no, it's not really an issue of overeating. I eat, you know, normally. It's just I've been getting less exercise and all of these bad food ingredients are building up on me you know to they're toxic having been to another country um namely brazil you know a lot of them live on a diet of mostly like um rice and beans 
a lot of that stuff they grow there a lot of that corn that they use is grown there mm-hmm. so it, it it seems to be that they you don't see too many fat Brazilians right I mean you know there are fat Brazilians but it's not like uh, you know you see you don't see a lot of it you know you don't have the same obesity problem right but um, in fact in that you know it's kind of the the opposite there because maybe people are more malnourished there possibly yeah well all over the world people are more health conscious per capita than than america is yeah and they know what high fructose does because their government even warns them about it and says hey don't eat this you know because it's not something your body knows how to process and is going to turn it into waste or bunch of fat fat. americans yeah um america i wish i would have wrote down the exact process that's a big one but that's okay. Yeah, but stay away from high fructose. Yeah, it's scary. Um, you it, know, just how much stuff is out there that is just completely unhealthy and completely right. bad for you. Right, and just like the fluoride we were talking about earlier and how there's movements being made to take it out of the water in, in places, uh, it's the same with the sugar. Everyone's uh, pushing to get natural sugar back into things again, so it's not all negative. I mean, there's there's advancements being made. Right. Against the the food monsters, the food monster industry. I'm 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 for some uh, key locos tonight. What do you think? Four locos. All right, four locos. <laughs> what do you say, Chris? The, 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 the um, <laughs> mixture mixture of beer and energy drink. That sounds like a really good idea. Has actually <laughs> has actually killed people. Yeah, claimed uh, lives. Okay, well let's go ahead. Um, we're gonna take a little bit of a break. And we're going to get our guest, Andrew Hoffman, on here. And, uh, Luke, I want to thank you. That's really, really good. No problem, man. It's really good. Anytime else you want to, like, information that you want, just write it down. We'll talk about it. Yeah, it helps because me Because we need to, to do more, you know, the, the guests are awesome and great, but I think, you know, we need to do more talking ourselves True. about those things. True. So uh, we will be right back. Um, just uh, stay where you are, for, and uh, we'll be right back on Conspiracy Normal. Whoop, whoop. Hey everybody, welcome back to Conspiracy Normal. This is your host, Adam Sane. This is your co-host, Luke Reed. And tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, his name is Andrew Hoffman. He is the author of a book called The New World Order and the Eugenics Wars. And he is a co-host of uh, Revelations Radio News on the Revelations Radio Network, one of my favorite shows to listen to every week. Um, Andrew, uh, if you could introduce yourself to our uh, guests, uh, just tell who you are, and uh, we'll go from there. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me on the show. Um, nice to meet you, Andrew. Uh, yeah, nice to meet you. And uh, I I know Adam from uh, conferences that we both attended. Yes, sir. Um, getting to hang out with the, the Future Quake folks and, and many other uh, great people. And I'm, I remember him talking about starting a podcast called Conspiracy Normal. So I'm I'm excited to be on it now that it's a it's a reality, and um, I'll have to, to catch up on on some past episodes here. But uh, basically, I got into into the conspiracy genre uh, by looking into 9/11. Actually, it wasn't wasn't the internet. Strangely enough, it was someone just had me read a book by David Ray Griffin, uh, and from there, you know, led to, obviously, internet sources, and just realizing that the world was not the way I thought it was, so, 
um, for a while, I mean, that it's a very kind of disorienting feeling when you realize that uh, you've been lied to and that, that the world's not the way you think it is. Uh, and for me, one of the people that uh, was influential on kind of shaping what I did with that was uh, Chris White and the Nowhere to Run podcast, um, just kind of melding the, the conspiracy stuff with Christianity and, and kind of separating facts from fiction um, and looking at the conspiracy stuff from a Christian perspective. So uh, that's where my book is written from. That's kind of the idea behind it was uh, for someone who is kind of getting in, into the conspiracy stuff, trying to, to show, uh, you know, what stuff is real, how it relates to the Bible, how it um, relates to reality, and also kind of the, the New Age uh, deception element to the truth movement, to, um, you know, or what to what is called the truth movement, movement I'll put it that way. So, yeah, it's, that's kind of the, the road I, I've been down, and um, I know you guys discuss similar things, obviously, so I'm, I'm happy to talk about whatever you guys want to talk about. Uh, sure. We could talk about 9-11 uh, ad infinitum a little later on, but uh, I wanted to get started. Um, kind of explain to our listeners, you know, your title, uh, New World Order and the Eugenics Wars. I think a lot of people are familiar with the New World Order, but uh, what is a eugenics war? Sure. That is... Uh, eugenics itself is almost as old as Darwinism, um, and obviously Darwinism isn't really the origin of, of evolutionary theory or what have you, but um, the, from Darwinism developed the idea that humans could control evolution uh, and basically improve the human race uh, by controlling evolution, kind of by taking the reins of it uh, and doing it in an intentional manner rather than unintentional, and that's really where uh, eugenics came from, and their original kind of theorizing was that, oh, well, obviously these, uh, you know, wealthy, intelligent European families, they're at the top of the line, so we want more of them and less of the inferior peoples, which is pretty much everyone else on the planet, uh, especially people of different races and what have you, so it's a very... Uh, racist ideology. At the same time, it's it's a very kind of, um, I guess you could say, an issue of, of classism where they really look down on poor and middle class people. They really look down on poor people as kind of a drain on the world system, and they look at middle class people as kind of a threat to their uh, power monopoly. And so what's negative eugenics is, is trying to dumb people down and to keep them from having children. That's kind of the, uh, the basis of it. So when you look at eugenics programs, uh, you know, whether it be vaccines, fluoride in the water, chemtrails, uh, you know, I'm sure all stuff that you guys cover on your show, it yeah. falls, under the, falls under the umbrella of um, negative eugenics of trying to dumb people down and keep them from from carrying on their genetics to the next generation. We were actually just talking about fluoride and uh, things in food right before uh, we got you on. 
So that's oh, like great. The, that's kind of the first part of the program yeah. tonight. So it, it fits in very well. Um, what's um you've also been talked a lot about uh propaganda and mm-hmm. uh, i've seen you give a talk about uh propaganda techniques and uh, uh was it, what's his name bernays uh could you go into some of that sure well if you, if you want me to to meld the two together uh yeah. one example for edward bernays uh, one of his big accounts was with alcoa aluminum company and they had a, a problem because they had all this toxic waste um, now called fluoride but it's really just toxic waste that they were having to pay large amounts of money to dispose of and so they um, what Bernays did is he found a kind of obscure medical study that said people that lived in a certain area of the country with higher fluoride concentration that occurred naturally had um, harder teeth, okay? And so what, and this is how Bernays operated. He had kind of like a pool of doctors and scientists that he could count on to pretty much say whatever he wanted them to say, um, and it was all pretty much anonymously. And so he could just, he, he would come up with kind of third-party neutral-sounding organizations uh, that were really front groups for his public relations firm Mm -hmm. and the companies that that were paying him the money. So in this case, Alcoa, uh, you know, through these front groups, paid to spread the idea that um, adding fluoride to the water would be good for dental health. And in reality, their, their motivation had nothing to do with dental health it was turning a, a waste product that they were having to pay to dispose of into a money-making um, money-making mechanism. So, and obviously, from the amount of water fluoridation, and it, it wasn't just Alcoa. Eventually, other companies got into it as well, uh, but it was very, very successful. And. What I've looked at as far as public relations and propaganda goes is how much of our society is shaped intentionally. You know, it's not, you know, these fads and um, trends and what have you. They don't, at least very rarely, do they happen spontaneously. Someone is behind them, um, you know, organizing it. And Mm -hmm. Bernays, like like some of the stuff he did, uh, you know, working for Lucky Strike Cigarettes, they had green packaging, um, and their marketing people said, you know, figured out that women didn't buy their cigarettes because they didn't like the green packaging. So he he had this whole so- socialite event in New York City where you had to wear a green dress to it to start a trend in like you know green the color green for women's fashion, and then of course when you went to this event you were given Lucky Strike cigarettes. Um, uh, in a similar way he associated Lucky Strike cigarettes with um, the women's liberation movement by having them handed out to women marching in a kind of suffragette parade and kind of associating those two things um, in the mind of the public because it it was kind of taboo for women to smoke in public 
by having them smoking at the head of this parade, it was like, oh, you know, stand up for women. Uh, women were, were free and independent and can smoke cigarettes just like the men. So, so it was okay, um, yeah. And, and what a great yeah. tactic, too, a great sales tactic. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if you look at some of the stuff that was in, uh, Bernays probably gets more credit than he deserves because he was, such, he was also a self-promoter. Um, the guy who was really even before him was Ivy Ledbetter Lee, who worked for the Rockefellers. But he, um, because of the Rockefeller influence, really stayed behind the scenes more. He probably influenced more, um, but gets less credit for it because of who he was working for and, and the, uh, the manner in, in which they wanted him to work. Um, he was an interesting character, too. He's the son of a pastor. And his first, the reason the Rockefellers bought him in was to kind of uh, put PR spin on the massacre in Colorado where their security forces had shot and then started a fire which burned alive a bunch of um, striking miners and their families, you know, burned women and children alive and, and what have you. And... Um, so he, his first job, you know, he would say very contradictory things like, um, you know, you should always tell the truth about what happened. But then the, his version of the truth was whatever the company wanted it to be. So <laughs> if the company obviously wanted the massacre not to have happened, that was his version of the truth. Mm-hmm. And that, that mindset is absolutely, um, totally taken over in today's marketing and PR. Like, if you were to go to college and study it, and you were to say, hey, wait a second, you know, that isn't true, you would get laughed out of the room. Because that's just, reality is what is, what you can make it, uh, what you can spin it, what you can make people believe. Um, it has nothing to do with <laughs> what we would call reality, or, or truth, or what have you. And notice now, it's not called propaganda anymore, it's called public relations. <laughs> When you go into public relations, you're just going into propaganda. Another funny story, I remember you talking about uh, about Bernays, who we, we failed to mention that um, he was also the nephew of Sigmund Freud, and that's very interesting, right. uh, is that people did not eat, um, they didn't eat a lot of stuff for breakfast. And mm-hmm. so some company, I think it was like a ham company or something, it was uh, right. Yeah, the the uh, the whole thing of bacon and eggs. Yeah, people didn't it. didn't used to eat bacon and eggs, and it, he was hired by um, basically a coalition of bacon manufacturers. Because the way he worked is instead of uh, you know one company kind of advertising or undercutting another company in the same field, he would try to basically add to the market. So in that case, he, again, same sort of tactic as with fluoride, he found uh, some doctor, you know, he did a survey of doctors that that recommended a hearty breakfast. Well, then he got that survey published lots of places, and then next to it, he would put pictures of bacon and eggs, as if that was the hearty breakfast that doctors were recommending. In reality, Doctors never said anything about eating bacon, being healthy, or what have you. But um, 
that became those things became associated. Oh, doctors recommend eating a hearty breakfast, picture of bacon and eggs, and so that's um, you know, and as well as getting it put in movies. He was he was one of the first people to use product placement in movies and and things like that, just to reinforce that idea in people in people's minds. And I think he was also part of pushing, uh, selling the American public on World War One, I, I believe, too. Yeah, the, uh, the Committee for Public Information, which is is really recognized by anyone who you know is is a scholar as far as uh, public relations history or what have you. That was a, a true turning point as far as mass media and propaganda goes. Was the was the World War One propaganda effort um, because I mean it was a European war. People are like, you know, keep us out of it. Uh, Woodrow Wilson ran on the slogan. He kept us out of the war. Meanwhile, intending all the all the while to get us into the war um, because that's what you know the the powers that be wanted. But uh, yeah, it was their job to sell it, and they did things like trained thousands and thousands of volunteers and giving like three minute speeches and they gave out sample speeches that people could work from um, and these people they call them uh, three minute men and if you went to a movie this person would give up and give a three minute speech before the movie started and then before you got to the movie you came to see you'd have to watch a propaganda film from the from the Pentagon uh, you know, about these great new weapons and the war effort and, and what have you, um, or how e- evil the, the other side was and, and things like that. So um, it, it was a very successful effort, and from that, uh, large businesses realized, hey, if, if you know, that method of, of propaganda could work for the war effort, it can work for selling products. So that's, that's and the... That was really the the birth of the public relations industry from there. So, kind of turning uh, to nine eleven, which is rife with propaganda, I would say. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what was for you uh, the kind of the turning point of with nine eleven when you when you looked at it? What made you see that there was probably more to it than what was being said or, or being told? Um, man, there, there was so much stuff. I mean, just the, oh, the yeah. timeline of events, uh, you know, the, the finding of the passports by the FBI on the same day. Um, That's a big building one for me, seven, too. W- Yeah, Building 7, which I found out a lot more about later. Um, you know, seeing the video of the BBC talking about the, the collapse of Building 7 before it happened. <laughs> right. You know, things like that are just it's clearly in the background. Yeah, <laughs> they're impossible to explain away. And you know, I mean, there's literally hundreds of things that that are the kind of the nail in the coffin for the official 9/11 story. And I, I really don't think that there's a way to to try and objectively look at all the stuff that's there and come to the conclusion that we're being told the truth about it. Um, and even before I really woke up to that, I kind of felt like, you know, the two political parties were really right next to each other. 
there, there wasn't much of a, a choice and what have you. You know, I knew the terrorists didn't really hate us for our freedom and things like that. But, uh, you know, it, it goes so much, so much deeper than that. There's kind of layer upon layer, but, uh, you know, and, but what I realized too is that if you look, uh, if you look in the Bible, this is history repeating itself. I mean, this is, we're living in the country and we all think it's, it's a Christian nation and what have you and that God's proud of us and this and that. And meanwhile, you know, uh, if this were the Old Testament, we would have prophets in the street saying, you know, prepare for destruction. God's going to judge them. It's an yeah. idolatrous, uh, wicked nation. And, you know, I think in... God no longer the prophet necessarily, and in the same way he did in the Old Testament. Um, but he does he does send people, uh, you know, to spread the message and to spread that hey, you know, we need to repent. Things are not going in the right direction, and the truth the truth really is out there for people that want to go get it. I mean, if you're willing to look at it, uh, you know, the internet. There's so much that it's intended for evil, but there's so much good information there, too. I mean, you can you can listen to uh, sermons from all around the world. You can look at Bible, you know, uh, Bible study materials that would, would have cost hundreds of dollars in the past to buy the paper versions, and they're, they're available for free online. So, uh, you know, there is, there should be an awakening. I think there is an awakening. Um, there's also kind of the false New Age awakening to where it's like, oh, 9-11's a lie, and Christianity's a lie, and Jesus never really existed, that that whole train of thought. So this is the zeitgeist how, stuff? Right. Uh, it's interesting how resourceful, uh, you know, Satan is, he's the, he's the father of lies, as far as, uh, you know, using people who are seeking the truth and trying to get them to buy into a new lie uh, if they get tired of the old lie. You know, I've, I've, I've not entirely watched that movie. I've just always wondered how 9-11 exactly fit in with Jesus not being real. Well, I, basically... I didn't understand the, the how that was all part of that. Basically, what he did, what, quote, Peter Joseph, <laughs> yeah. biblical names there, but, yeah. uh, and that's not his real, I don't know if it's his first and middle name, but I know it's not his last name. Um, sure. What, what he did is he ripped off, uh, like, the financial system stuff, um, from freedom to fascism and, and films like that, uh, you know, G. Edward Griffin stuff and what have you. And then he ripped off 9-11 stuff from Alex Jones' film. Uh, and, I mean, used clips from it and everything. And then, really, the only part of the movie that re- was really original to him, and it's not original ideas, was the whole, like, quote, debunking Christianity garbage. Um, which was, so you're watching this film, and you're, like, blown away by the 9-11 stuff, which is, I mean... There was real evidence to support it. 
and then you just kind of fall like, oh man, I guess this stuff about Christianity is true too. <laughs> you know, that um, it was just another mythology, just like the other mythologies and, and this and that. Where if you examine the factual claims he makes, they're totally bogus, and they're none of them are traceable back to original, you know, contemporary sources with with the even New Testament era, much less older than that. Um, and in order for those claims to be true, you would need some evidence from uh, that's older than Christianity, because if you're saying Christianity is a copy of something else, well, what's it a copy of? In reality, it's, he's basically pointing to uh, kind of Masonic versions of, of history that were created later, and then, um, you know, where they would take Christianity and warp it into something else, uh, often the exact inversion of it, and saying, oh, those were around beforehand, before Christianity, and Christianity copied them instead of the other way around. Yeah. So it's, um, you know, it, it's one of those things, once you do some research or go to, uh, you know, zeitgeistchallenge.com or places like that, uh, you can see that it's false, but because it was tied in with other real information, that, that's also really mind-blowing. Uh, I can definitely see why why people fell for it hook, line, and sinker. So. And, th- I mean, there's still people out there who are hardcore, you know, zeitgeist fans and, and believers. He has, he also has some, like, his solutions to... Um his solutions, I think at the end of the movie, or there's another movie that he made, it's real, um, what you would say, like the New World Order wants to do, really, but he's supposedly against the New World Order. Right, right. Yeah, it's, uh, in his second film, it is, it's basically like, oh, here's the way the world should work. (laughs) And it's total, totally like the transhumanist version of the future, yeah. Where uh, we'll have a giant supercomputer to separate out the resources fairly, and everyone will, you know, uh, there'll be no more need for money, and and the supercomputer will will tell everyone what to do, and everyone will be happy with that. Um, just kind of ridiculous utopian, uh, you know, one world socialism nonsense, and that's exactly what the new world order is selling. You know, world government. Uh, one centralized command center and, and what have you. And, and he's saying, oh, yes, to defeat the New World Order, we need to adopt the New World Order plan, but have it run by a supercomputer, and then I, it'll be okay. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Uh, I'll see why that would be a problem. You got anything <laughs> that you want to ask, Luke? Well, uh, well first of all, is, is there any way we can maybe boost his level a little bit so we can hear him a little bit better? Just kind of low. Yeah, let's turn it up here. All right, cool. Yeah, um, when you were talking about the the advertising uh, a few minutes ago, uh, it, it made me think that someone that Adam and I know was playing us a timeline of uh, really popular songs from the early 1900s, and every other song was about a brand name. It was either a car brand or... Uh, or you know a soft drink brand. It was it was always about a brand. Just every other song, and these were like the biggest Billboard mainstream songs back yeah. then. 
It's like buy Krill toothpaste or something, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that is definitely not an accident. So it's um Yeah, it's I mean it's amazing uh what's the film name? Uh, I think it's Thank You for Smoking. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's an interesting kind of mockumentary uh film about a, a PR executive for the uh you know, for the tobacco industry and, and kind of you know, what they do to try to get it into movies and, and things like that. So uh, obviously that does go on. It's it's not <laughs> it's not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. Um and it it's sort of off topic but I I ran across a story yesterday, I think it's from a couple days ago, where the Obama administration is pumping, I think, um, I forget the dollar amount, but anyway, all this money to this PR firm, um, and the PR firm is trying to get positive messages about Obamacare into top TV shows. So they'll be, you know, like, oh, if only this person was insured, if only we had Obamacare, we -hmm. could have saved their lives. You know, <laughs> right, right, stuff right. like that. So it, uh, it's definitely coming. I remember last year it was uh, um, government money paid to NBC to push like volunteering and uh, you know like green agenda type stuff um, in in their shows. So you know, like in the office, they would talk about. Uh, because that, that was the only show I was familiar with, but I caught it when, when they showed it. They talked about uh, volunteering at the animal shelter or something like that. So that was, that was government-paid-for uh, propaganda placement. But. And I know a lot of the, like the, the cop shows, the crime shows, well, um, they're propaganda, too, because they, they talk about certain groups of people or... You know, uh, you got the, the the white racist skinhead that has a book. Of, I saw one where it was like a white racist skinhead. He had a book about the Illuminati on his on his desk right next to Mein Kampf or something. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was just ridiculous. You know, so so that it's it's like demonizing people as well. Yeah, or, or they'll have like, uh, oh, this person's a serial killer. And they believe the government did nine eleven. You know, right, <laughs> I mean, right, just yeah. He's a really oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like they're a total meth addict, and they like Ron Paul. You know yeah, that was in yeah. a, a show. So <laughs> uh, it's it's if you're awake, it's really obvious. But to the people that aren't awake, it never registers as propaganda. It's just like just flows right into their brains and affects the way they view the world without them ever knowing about it. Yeah. One of the things that I get a lot um, is, uh, you're familiar with him too, uh, William Grigg, uh, who mm-hmm. I'd love to have on the show, uh, but that's an aside. Uh, you know, the Pro Libertate blog. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I've shown that blog to a couple people that Luke and I work with. Uh, and some of the people that I'll, I'll show that to will look at that blog or any other instances of police brutality and 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 this is the answer that I'll have usually is there there must have been a reason for it there had to be a reason that that happened yeah and right. 
it's just like, well, what if there wasn't? You know, what if this is just brutality and cruelty? Yeah, in one aspect, I feel like it's always good to question. Just question everything you hear in the news and just question anything you're told ever about anything. It's good to question it. Especially things, you know, directly dealing with your health and all that. But um, at the same time, uh, you can't always turn your head to things and just, well, you know, there must... There must uh, be an explanation for this, and there has to be a reason it's, th- it's this way. You know, most often than not, it's exactly what you're thinking first. You know, it, it's the it, it's the first thought that pops into your mind. You know, usually the negative one is the culprit. Yeah, <laughs> like uh, yeah, he just shot himself in the head with his hands handcuffed behind his back. You know? Oh, oh yeah, 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 that's <laughs> Oh, there must have been a reason for that. The the, the guy who, who managed to shoot himself in the back of the head while handcuffed behind the back of in the back of a police car. Yeah. Didn't you say there that? Been something something it must have been a weird freak accident. Didn't you say that a, a couple other of his uh prisoners had escaped or something or or disappeared? Disappeared. Oh uh, well that was same? somebody else. Oh, okay. Yeah, that was okay. somebody else. Yeah. Um but kind of getting back to Andrew, I, I, I can remember uh, at the Future Congress last year, uh, mm-hmm. you, you gave this, this talk about uh, propaganda uh, and among uh, how it influences Christians in, in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, doc, Dr. Future had gone through this whole thing like two days before where he for two hours lays out while why the whole anti-sharia law thing and uh this kind of war against muslims is a big sham uh and and the people being played are basically are evangelical christians and but but and he get he got really not much of a response as far as anybody like throwing anything at him but you mentioned in this and i was there you mentioned the just the simple concept of turn the other cheek, which is something that's in the Bible, and you had this guy just go off on you about you know well the Jews should have fought the Nazis and all this kind of stuff, and and it, it makes the point of just how propaganda even you know people that purport you know, Christians purport to be not you know in this world but they're just as propagandized as everybody else. Yeah, and and it's um, do you remember the that war propaganda? I I do, yeah. and um, for wh- whatever reason, and you could go back to actually, I uh, we had Robert Hyde on our our show and talked to him about this, yeah. and he's done um, some more reading. He wanted basically to to know is this a recent development with Christianity supporting war? Uh, and the answer he came up with was, no, it's not, at least not in America. Um, the evangelical church has, unfortunately, uh, quite often been, been more, than, uh, more than easy to convince to support whatever military adventurism the U.S. government wants to take on at the time. And, you know, that, that is really, really sad to me, and I don't know... Um, how people can square that with the New Testament. <laughs> you know? I mean, early churches, they were telling 
soldiers, um, like, yeah, you, you know, you can be saved, you could join the church, uh, but you need to leave the military. <laughs> and we've gotten from that to, um, like, the most angelic pro-Christian thing you can do is join the military, support the military. Um, that's, like, what you must do is support the military. You know, you got to support the troops. And what that means is support the wars. Yeah. Um, if, if supporting the troops, if by supporting the troops you mean uh, saying they need to, to come home in one piece, uh, safe and sound, and that you hope <laughs> the people in their countries that they're invading live to see them day as well, that's unpatriotic. That's not supporting the troops, you know. But just kind of waving a flag and, uh, you know, you got football games with the giant American flags and the national anthems and... and what have you, and these poor military families, they've got people serving five, six, seven tours, never been done in American history. I mean, they've never run the military as, as ragged as, as they're doing right now. Um, and just kind of sweeping under the rug the massive suicide problem, uh, you know, the, the PTSD and everything else. Or, or at the same time, or at the same time, now it's like, Oh, by the way, Homeland Security is saying uh, the number one threat is returning veterans. So we probably shouldn't let them have guns. You know, if they, if we diagnose them with PTSD, they they they're not allowed to own guns. So you know, it's fine to let them have guns over in a foreign country when they might kill someone from you know an innocent person in a foreign country, but but we can't trust them with guns here. So there's this you know. The, the government is, on the one hand, using the military as a, as a propaganda tool and everyone's got to, you know, bow down and worship the flag and the, the troops and what have you, and then just treating them like dirt, on the other hand. What, you know, once they get back here, um, forget once they get back here, well, they're deployed too. So um, it's, it's just a really sad situation, and it's something where... Um, I would love to see the church standing up against it, but it, it's really quite the opposite. You know, it's, it's the church as uh, the, the most pro-war, and you know, the, the church is very anti-Obama. That's that's great. <laughs> you know, I'm anti-Obama too, but the idea that um, you know Mitt Romney is going to come fix everything and and put, putting a Mormon in charge is going <laughs> to you know, that'll return America to its Christian roots. So let's put uh, Mitt Romney in the White House. So. Yeah, the guy who believes that God comes from Kolob. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's... Yeah, and it, that, who knows? That, um, actually, our, one of our most recent shows um, was a, a really interesting interview with the guy who used to be a Mormon and who now... Um, and he is dead set against Romney. He's... And what what he's worried about is um, Mormonism using Romney's election as a missionary tool around the world. You know, not so much in America, but around the world, um, it kind of boosting the prestige level of, of Mormonism uh, in the eyes of of people around the world. So, you know, I think that's a valid... And once again, what group is going to have to uh, kind of make or break 
Romney's run the White House, it's going to be evangelical right. Christians. So. Exactly, yeah. Uh, one thing about uh, evangelicals are, you know, you can throw in just, you know, the kind of conservative, quote-unquote neoconservative. Uh, mm-hmm. One thing about it is, is that I think that they're, they're against Obama for all the wrong reasons. Like they talk about him being a, a, a closet Muslim and all those right. kind of things, and he's going to bring fifty million fifty million Muslims to the United States, and and he doesn't support Israel, even though he sent seven hundred million dollars to him just a few weeks ago. Uh, but they, you know, is anybody talking about the NDAA that he signs on December thirty first, right before uh, the? You know, when nobody cares on New Year's Eve, you know, the right. thing that is going to, you know, if if there's like a, a martial law situation, American pe- citizens can get arrested. Uh, there's there's very little from the conservative side. You hear it more from the liberal side about the the horror, the use of drones, killing American citizens like Anwar Al-Awlaki and then his son who gets killed. So right. to me, they they focus on all the wrong reasons, and it's just this <laughs> emotional appeal for the Republican Party to get votes. Oh, absolutely! Because the the stuff that you can't touch uh, is foreign policy and economic policy. Yeah, because it's the same. It's the same with both parties. And if you are actually challenging the system on those two issues, foreign policy or economic policy. Uh, that's when you're you're unelectable, you know, like Ron Paul. You're unelectable. You're a kook. Uh, you're the crazy uncle. Uh, you know, you have to absolutely toe the line on those two, you know, main areas, or your or the media will not treat you as a serious candidate. Speaking of current events, and you're the perfect person to ask about this. Uh, this movie that has caused all these problems in the Middle East with the the rioting in Libya mm-hmm. and Egypt. Uh, what's your views on the whole situation? You know, Luke and I have been discussing this. That just we just we find it very odd that this fifteen minute film was somehow found mm-hmm. by in all the in this all these countries. And then all of a sudden it sparks this, this, you know, these riots. And then the people that made the film are all suspect. You know, the actors in the film didn't even know they were making a movie about Muhammad. It's obviously overdubbed. You yeah. can see that. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's terrible. Have you seen it, Andrew? Have you seen the film? I, I have not watched it. I'm, it's I'm pretty familiar bad. with the... Yeah. And what they... Yeah, it sounds like the actors, what they filmed isn't what the actual movie. Yeah. And it, it kind of sounds like there is no actual, like, full movie. It's just yeah. this... It's only 15 this, minutes. suppose a trailer. Right. Yeah, like, 13-minute trailer or what, ha- what have you. And, um, yeah, absolutely. There was a request to for Google to take it down. And in this case, Google says, oh, no, free speech, free speech, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, meanwhile, they're spying on everything, and, and they'll they'll take down tons of other stuff. So yeah. it, it was designed to get out there, and then it's given media attention. 
it's just like the crayon burning pastor in Florida. You know? Like if some the guy's got ten people in his church <laughs> and if he wants to have a crayon burning, no one's gotta cover that. But the media made a huge story out of it. Right. Oh, so yeah. then they the, and then, you know, that's causing trouble in the Middle East and what have you. So that's you know, it's a media creation. Um you know, I don't know the full story on who actually made the film, but but the fact that it's you know gone viral, so to speak, it's gone viral not in a natural way. It's gone viral in a mainstream media covering it, pushing it way. Right. Um, you know, kind of like the the Coney, <laughs> the Coney yeah. film, same sort of idea. Uh, but then you've got the angle too of blaming all these all this unrest and riot on the film. And in the past, you know, if you actually, people have gone and interviewed the people and they're like, uh, no, we're mad about the drones. You know, <laughs> or we're mad because, you know, 30 innocent people got killed yesterday. Like movie, what movie? Or, you know, things like that. So they can also tell you, oh, this riot is because of the movie when, and we have no idea whether that's true or not. You know, you're just looking at angry people on the television. Uh, you don't know what they're angry about. And this is, uh, you know, all the networks have got caught using footage from totally different parts of the world and saying it's from somewhere else or, you know, three years ago and saying it happened yesterday, things uh -huh. like that. So, um, yeah, I remember we really the... don't. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I was just, you know, making the point. We really don't know, but we do know what what they're trying to, to push with it. Yes. Um, you know, and, and Obama, uh, oh, yes, it's terrible that, that people are upset about this, this movie. It's like, really? You know, you're not worried about getting mad about us invading their country, or even when <laughs> we haven't invaded their country, dropping bombs on their heads. You're not worried about backlash the troops from that you're worried about you know some stupid movie uh, yeah it's just it's ridiculous yeah we, we would go in and and, and you know al-qaeda was supposedly behind you know basically lynching the u.s ambassador and but we went in to libya supplying mostly al-qaeda in the in in that war and the same thing Absolutely. is going on in Syria. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's the same script over and over again. Sometimes Al-Qaeda is the big boogeyman, and then sometimes Al-Qaeda is the wonderful Mujahideen, you know, freedom fighters. Um, but basically, I think kind of the overall strategy seems to be um, in order to keep these countries in kind of... A, third world cesspits and kind of, you know, no development, no progress and what have you, um, they're trying to put in Muslim extremists in as many places as possible. And our government is funding that. And the sick part is Christians are supporting our government in doing that when it's Christians lots of times that are are paying the consequences, whether it's Egypt where they're getting yeah. crucified in the streets or, um, you know, they're talking in Syria, if this coup is successful, 
you know, and if Assad is forced out and and the uh, basically Al Qaeda troops and that that we're supporting take over there, they're openly saying, "Yeah, we're going to kick the Muslims out of the country and and kill the Jews." Kick the so, Christians out, yeah. Uh, yeah, kick the Christians out of the country and kill the Jews. So, um, you know, this is us, <laughs> as far as America, supporting the very things, obviously, that we, we sh- should be against. And you see the wisdom in both, you know, founding fathers, foreign policy views, and, and then Ron Paul saying, uh, let's just mind our own business. You know, we'll be on friendly terms with everyone, but we're not going to try to run everyone else's country. Because even if, even when it, you know, might have been through genuine good intentions, it always has unintended consequences. You never know if the puppet dictator you put in charge is going to turn against, uh, either against America or against his own people at some point. It's just a horrible road to go down. Uh, but what we, what our government seems to be doing is creating as many uh, of these kind of ex- Muslim extremist type governments as possible, even when it's not representative of the of the overall population over there, uh, to have an excuse to continue the the military intervention indefinitely. I mean, a hundred years. What McCain say about Iraq? Oh, maybe we'll be there a hundred years or. Um, <laughs> Till the job is done. Till the job well, what's is the job? Done. Oh, oh, <laughs> we can't we can't define that. So it's just yeah. It's not really easy to come up with a new excuse. It, you know, every time <laughs> you want to friend uh, invade a country the friendly way. You know? Yeah, it's not easy to come up with new excuses. So yeah, if, it, if it's a democratic president, then we. Uh, you know, it's humanitarian intervention and, and love bombing, you know, <laughs> like right, in right, Libya. Right. Uh, and if it's a Republican president, it's, oh, they hate us for our freedom, we got to go in and remove the evil dictator. But it's, just, it's the same thing. It's slightly different rhetoric. George W. Bush ran saying that uh, he was critical of Clinton's nation-building foreign policy and said we should, we should have a, a humble foreign policy and mind our own business. And, yeah, <laughs> look how that worked out. Yeah, really. Look how that happened. Yeah. Yeah. See, see, someone someone would say though, you know, well, it's because of nine eleven we had to go in. That, that's <laughs> that's the thing that I hear all the time. And yeah. I just look at it and say, well, I think there's a lot more to nine eleven than than meets the eye. Yeah. You know, we we had to and. In- invade Afghanistan and Iraq because of the Saudi Arabian terrorists that <laughs> hit us on 9-11. Makes right. perfect sense. Right. <laughs> Even though we still yeah. had, like, aircraft carriers off the coast of, uh, in the Indian Ocean, you know, yeah. before 9-11 happened. Yeah, Bush, Bush signing the launch order for the Afghanistan invasion on, on the 10th of September. It's, uh, it's lucky guess, I guess. And the three trillion dollars that went missing from the Pentagon. Yeah. <laughs> well, no one's Andrew, worried about. Yeah. No one's worried about it now. Uh, yeah. Andrew, before we conclude, because we're kind of running low on time, but uh, okay, I wanted to, you know, get your idea of, you know, as a nation, 
where do you think that uh, we're going to be in maybe 10, 20 years? Um, you know, I, I think America is going the way of every other empire. Um, I think it'll fall apart probably because of the financial system will fall apart. And um, although it will be incredibly painful for those of us that live here, um, I'm not entirely upset about that because I think the only way that the wars will end is if, <laughs> you know, we run out of money to fight them and, and to have military bases in 200 countries and, and everything else. So, um, you know, the, the empire is going down, but it won't go down without a fight. I think, unfortunately, I, th I think there will be another world war. Uh, it might be, it might look different than the other two. Um, obviously, warfare has changed somewhat. Right. Uh, but I, I, w I would expect, you know, if, if you look at history, economic depression, boom, world war. Uh, the, I think there will be some sort of collapse in the financial system from you know, Bernanke's new QE3, QE Forever program um, of just bailing out the banks at the expense of everyone else. Um, and, the, you know, the end result of that is a financial collapse and probably, uh, you know, a, there's, there's so many places that they could kick off a wider conflict, whether it be the Middle East, uh, they could use something with North Korea as an excuse, um, and then pretty much any of those little touchstones, I mean, look at what our, what our history books told us started the first two world wars, you know, like, oh, it was an assassination and that led, led to World War One. you know, it doesn't take much of an excuse once, once the ball starts rolling and they've set the geopolitical chessboard, so to speak, in such a way that, uh, it could start a number of different, different places, but the result is, the result is world war. So I think that's um, going to happen. I hope it doesn't happen, you know, anytime soon. Um, but I, I think America is collapsing now. As far as 10 years, 10 years it might be fairly similar to where we are today, maybe just slightly worse. Yeah. Or, you know, or everything could have happened, you know, five years from now. I don't really know on, on the timeline. Um, but one thing where I might be slightly different than, than lots of people kind of in the, in the prophecy community uh, and what have you is I think America could totally fall apart, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's the absolute end times tribulation. Uh, I'm, right, I'm right there with you, Andrew. I, I'm right there you know, with you. Yeah. I, I, I don't see America as critical to... And, and I, you know, absolutely believe, um, you know, very literal interpretations of, of Revelation, what have you, and I really don't see America involved that much. So I, I could see America really pretty much going away and either splintering into to different countries where it's no longer one country, um, you know, just have kind of subsections, you know, former states splitting off with each other, what have you, but... Um, and that doesn't necessarily, you know, doesn't necessarily mean that to, that, that Jesus is coming back because America fell apart. Um, yeah. I, at the same, I mean, we could be 
very, very close. Um, you know, if you, if you look at, I mean, lots of stuff that needed to happen um, has happened, but, but my, you know, my personal opinion is that I think America is going down. I don't necessarily think that that means um, everything in Revelation is, is going to happen uh, in the very near future. Do you think that our support for Israel, uh, do you think that it is necessary? Or do you, or do you feel that more that uh, we support Israel, especially the IPAC the, and the evangelical lobby? Uh, mm-hmm. I heard something on uh, from the Democratic Convention, a guy, uh, a, a liberal Jew, that was saying that he hated the evangelicals because... He thought that they were the worst thing for Israel because all they wanted to do was to use Israel basically so that the Messiah could come back. And mm-hmm. that was quite an interesting comment. And how do you feel? I mean, I know it's opening a can of words we might not have time for, but I mean, do you feel that since America it probably isn't in prophecy, do you feel that we made? just be supporting something we really don't need to support? Yeah, well, I I think that God does have a plan for Israel. I just happen to think that America isn't God. Yeah. So, that's kind of, I think people kind of have that mixed up, like, oh, well, the only way God can protect Israel is through America. Like, really? Yeah. You know, I, I think he, he was perfectly sufficient for carrying out his will with Israel for thousands of years before America's existence. And I'm pretty sure that God is still the same God and can, can handle things from here on out um, according to, to his will. And, you know, America certainly might play a role in um, Israel repenting, uh, but it's not the role that the neocons think we're playing as, like, you know, the big brother and protector to Israel. Uh, if you look at Israel's association with uh, large, wicked nations, like Assyria and things like that, it, it doesn't tend to end well either for Israel or for that nation. So, um, you know, I think that's kind of, uh, unfortunately, the, the role we're in is the, the large, idolatrous, uh, wicked nations pretending to, to be a friend to Israel. Um and I, I really don't think God's impressed with that. Or that no. he's, you know, like, oh, I'm glad America's there. I just wouldn't know what to do without America. So, yeah, I, I think um, that that whole agenda of, you know, we must start and fight many wars on Israel's behalf uh, is, is absolutely misguided and, and is, doing the people of Israel way more harm than good. Yeah, true. I would agree. Anything that you want to ask, Luke? Um, You were talking about how America shouldn't be um, related to the trials and tribulations. And I've been giving a lot of thought lately about uh, the absolute just chaos and hell that some of these other third world countries are going through every day. You know, and it seems like the the end of the world to them because that's what they know and that's what they see every day. That's what they're surrounded with. And if that were to hit America, you know, we we don't experience things like that. It would seem right. like the end of the yeah. world. Yeah, it would. You know? 
Yeah, and I think that is that's the reason why um, many people think you know America's going down. It's the end times. Yeah, that one kind of reinforces the the other. Um, but I think that's <laughs> it's because we you know we've had it we've had quite the luxurious lifestyle for the most part here here in America and uh, I certainly do think it's it's coming to an end one way or the other um, but whether how that falls into God's larger plan I, I'm, I'm not sure at this point yeah I I, I think um, you know so probably like 99.5% of the people at the future Congress probably would would say that that you know America is inextricably, inextricably tied in with prophecy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Andrew, yeah. Uh, okay. The the ones, the ones with the big crowds in the main ballroom. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, you had somebody almost threw a. You almost got stoned. Somebody almost threw a rock at you over there. At the, at yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we should turn this I did it. <laughs> I, I did actually get invited back, which I was I was kind of surprised at. Um, okay. I'm not going to make it this year, but okay. but um, oh, and I forget the gentleman's name um, that's kind of in charge of the conference. I David, uh, yeah, David Hitt, and yeah. I, I like David Hitt. He's he's a good guy, and I I think his um, heart's in the right place, and he's willing to uh, you know put ideas from people like me or, or Dr. Future um, out there, even if they're not the most most popular with the, <laughs> the crowds of people that attend the conference. But, you know, we had our own, we brought our own little segment, mostly Futurians, to that conference that oh, yeah. um, kind of saw things the same way. So, you know, I'm, I'm glad he sees us as part of the family. It's a small enough subgroup of society anyway. We, I, I don't think we need to splinter ourselves off into ever smaller subgroups. So. And you got to see the Japanese fiddler. Yes. <laughs> yes, my wife and I did see, uh, uh, oh, what's his name, Shingo Tabuchi or something? <laughs> I don't know. But the, the Japanese fiddler is amazing stuff. So, Soji Tabuchi? Yeah, something like that. I have no idea. I just remember seeing really horrible signs for stuff on the way down. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't get to go to the Yakov Smirnoff Theater, so. Yeah. It was in Branson for anybody that's listening and wondering. Uh, yes. Well, well, Andrew, uh, I think we're going to call it. Uh, we we want, really want to thank you for coming on. and We need to have you on again because, you know, we didn't even really talk about transhumanism and uh, some of the things that Luke and I talked about earlier, which you uh, you know a lot about as well, about fluoride and what's going in the food. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's just so much to hit, so we'd love to have you come back on sometime. Well, th- thanks for that, and um, I really enjoyed the, the conversation, and um, yeah, we'll have to have, have you guys on our show, too. And can you so, tell... Could you tell uh, people how to, to, to reach you and about uh, Revelations Radio News? Yeah, um, it's uh, revelationsradionews.com, um, or if you just, uh, you know, search engine Revelations Radio News, it should, should bring it up. And uh, as far as me personally, it's Andrew Hoffman, and I live in Yakima, Washington, so if you can look me up on Facebook, 
Uh, if you use the, the CIA program Facebook, I'm on there. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, feel free to... And then my, my book's available um, mainly on Amazon. I'm, I'm, it's on Amazon, but I'm the one that's selling it on there. So Excellent. people can find the New, New World Order and Eugenics Wars on there. So. And it is a good book, despite the, uh, the strange cover. But yeah. it, it gets <laughs> you your go. attention, so... Like yeah. <laughs> Andrew, stay in the line. We're gonna we're gonna finish out, and uh, we will be back on Conspiracy Normal. All right, we are back on Conspiracy Normal, and uh, we're gonna wrap it up here. Uh, Luke, real quick, anything that you uh, want to say about Andrew or just um, uh, and, you know, I, good? I, uh, yeah, I really like his perspective. He had he had a lot of awesome things to say, man, and uh, uh, I I agree. Uh, I see the future, you know, his prediction being pretty accurate as far as and pretty logical as far as my beliefs go too. Yeah. So, yeah, that that was a little surprising for me because I I I I'd kind of heard him say something like that on a podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just kind of want to get his perspective, but you know, his perspective is pretty much mine, and we've kind of come, yeah. you know, um, as far as like prophecy goes. I think right. a lot of this stuff that's going on is people, uh, you know, not that I. Don't believe in it because I do, but as a caveat to say that, you know, I think a lot of people are worried that they see America going down, and that's what they're really worried about. Right, right. Uh, It may not necessarily be, you know, because there's a lot of Christians out there that will tell you, you know, you don't know the time, you don't know the hour. Uh, So it could be tomorrow, it could be a thousand years from now. You don't know, Mm -hmm. because there is that perspective, and I'm kind of been leaning more towards that, but... uh, Great job Thank with you. the uh, the food stuff. Appreciate it. We'll yeah. have something to explore that again. And if I could just say real quick, too, uh, you know, I look around every day and I constantly have everyone that's close to me complaining of how they're sick or they have headaches. Yeah. There's always something wrong with them. And, you know, and I just, I feel it's food. I feel it's contaminants like pollution and pharmaceuticals to blame. Right. And the best thing you could do is question everything you come in contact with, even cosmetic products, um, to, to yeah. see to see if you know if those are affecting your health, and you will feel better. Right, right. So, well, um, let's call it a night. All right, all right. And I want to just uh, join us next time. We're going to have a special guest. Hopefully, we will get uh, Adam Go Rightly on here. Uh, talk about. Uh, the Manson family and some other strange high weirdness. So uh, we're going to call it a night. And uh, everybody, thanks for listening to Conspiranormal. Conspiranormal. Baby. I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. You know what cool is? You're looking at Nothing beats being cool. And I spit in the face of people who don't want to be cool. 
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.